0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and your host here on Ringler Radio. Well, according to Sean Kane, an independent automotive safety expert and the founder of Safety Research and Strategies, 19 deaths and 341 injuries can be attributed to 815 separate crashes involving Toyotas that had accelerated suddenly and unexpectedly. We are now well aware of the problems plaguing the car giant And these are problems ranging from acceleration to steering problems, leaving many customers both in danger and uh, certainly many of them injured. Today, we're going to discuss the whole area of Toyota litigation and speak with an attorney who's tackling these cases and getting justice for the victims and the families of victims involved. And joining us today to help me with all that is my Ringler colleague and co host, Manny Valdez Jr. Manny is a settlement annuity specialist in our San Diego and Las Vegas offices with over ten years of structured settlement, insurance, and financial planning experience. Manny, welcome to Ringle Radio.
2: Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. I'm here with you again.
1: Great. I'm glad you were I'm glad you could join me. And our special guest today is attorney John Gomez, a nationally recognized trial attorney at the Gomez Law Firm in San Diego, California. John obtained the largest wrongful death verdict in California history at 106 million and is presently representing several individuals involved in Toyota Acceleration Litigation. So, John, welcome back to Ringler Radio.
3: Thanks so much, Larry. Great to be here.
1: I uh, really enjoyed the time you stopped in when we were in uh, California at the AAJ convention.
3: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm happy to be back on.
1: Well, thank you. Well, this is a very timely topic to have you back on. Let's start by discussing, John, the uh, the current Toyota cases. You're representing the family of California police officer Mark Saylor, uh, his wife, daughter, and brother-in-law, who were all killed in a fiery crash in their uh, Lexus loaner car, and real tragedy. Uh, tell us about the case and how it's progressing.
3: Okay, I, I think that that case is the event that really gave rise to all that followed and all of these Toyota sudden unintended acceleration issues were now seeing. I think prior to that, Toyota and the government kind of looked at these cases as driver error or uh, misreported, um, blamed uh, the driver. But here, uh, Mark Saylor, as you noted, was a California Highway Patrol officer, a highly trained driver. Um, was a safety inspector for the California Highway Patrol. And he was driving a Lexus ES350 2009 here in San Diego when uh, he reported or had his brother-in-law, Chris, report to 911 that the accelerator was stuck and that the brakes wouldn't work and that they couldn't control the car. And so that was really the first time you ever had a contemporaneous report by the 911 call of exactly what was going on. He also had a guy who was as trained as anybody to get out of this situation. And so I think that event caused the government and Toyota to say, hey, you know, maybe drivers aren't making this up. Maybe this is a real phenomenon. And I think it's the one event that kind of gave rise to everything that's followed.
1: Well, I, I it, assume there had been quite a few reports prior to that that where people were complaining about the um, the acceleration issue, and how were they being addressed by Toyota at that point uh, before, were, before this accident?
3: Sure, yeah, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of reports and complaints. Uh, there were several investigations opened and closed by NHTSA. The safety arm of the federal government. And so I think the overarching theme was, you know, this isn't really a safety issue. This isn't a real issue. This is something that drivers are misreporting. You know, they're either just not operating the vehicle correctly or something else is occurring. And so I think, you know, the overarching theme was, you know, we're not going to listen to the
2: customer. And, John, get, getting back to uh, the Saylor family a little bit, can you uh, tell us about the uh, the family's lawsuit against Toyota Motor Corporation as well as the uh, dealership? And does this suit go beyond damages and product liability? Yes. Um,
3: the case has been filed in San Diego Superior Court by essentially what happens is Mark Saylor is driving with his wife, his daughter and his brother in law. The vehicle gets up to police estimate 140 miles an hour because the throttle is completely open and the brakes completely fail. All four of them uh, die instantly. And so the case has been filed in San Diego Superior Court against Toyota. Also against the dealership, what they were driving was a loaner car. Subsequent investigation revealed that. The dealership had placed an oversized SUV all-weather floor mat in the vehicle. The Mm -hmm. forensic analysis immediately following the event suggested that there was some entrapment of the accelerator pedal in that mat, and uh, it turns out that a customer of the dealership that had borrowed that exact same car had complained about the floor mat in the pedal and had a similar event just a few days before, so... As it stands, we have uh, a lawsuit pending against both Toyota and the dealership. Uh, The case does go beyond product liability and damages. I think the family's main objective is to make sure this never happens again to anyone. And I guess we're already kind of seeing changes um, in that regard.
2: Well, and, and I know you participated in uh, some of the congressional hearings that uh, were discussing, you know, the uh the, the sudden unwanted acceleration issues, and uh, some of the relatives of um, the family were there. Can you tell us kind of what transpired and uh, what really was was said at that hearing? Sure, that was a big event. Um,
3: the Government Oversight and Reform Committee held hearings. To look at the issue, I traveled along with my co counsel and our family back to Washington, D.C., where Faye Lestrella, the mother of Cleofi and Chris, um, testified before Congress and essentially spoke on behalf of the victims. The panel also included um, various safety advocates. And representatives of Toyota, including Mr. Toyota himself from Japan, um, and then, uh, victim advocates, um, like my client. And so it was a really, the, the room itself was packed with media. According to reports, there had not been so many people inside the building since the 1950s. Um, Her testimony was extremely compelling. You could see Congress members reacting with emotion to the things she said, and she was a very powerful witness in sort of telling the story of all those who have been affected by these problems.
1: You know, uh, John, as recently as this morning, uh, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal that they discovered an email written by, I believe, an employee of Toyota, which seem to be somewhat damaging to their case, can you talk about that?
3: yeah, sure. I think what you're referring to is that there there was um a collection of documents produced to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, um pursuant to requests and investigations and uh in that, I think there is an email from as I understand it, Toyota, sort of North America back to Toyota of Japan, saying, look, you know, we have to come clean on this. Um, the time to hide on this one is over. We're not protecting our customers by keeping this quiet. And so I think that that suggests um, that Toyota was aware of the problem and made attempts to um, not be truthful with both the government and with consumers, we we know that they just got fined more than sixteen million dollars for not uh, being honest with the government about a pedal issue, and um, not being truthful and timely about that. And so it's starting to show a pattern. I think you know when my event first happened, my family's event first happened. You know, what they did was they talked about floor mats, said these are all floor mat-related. When events continued to unfold, they said, hey, it's a sticky pedal problem. You see it kind of, they reveal the truth incrementally and only when necessary. It's kind of like peeling an onion. And it's clear that what they've done is, rather than being completely candid and forthright, they've attempted to only say what they have to say. So, yeah, I think it's a very damaging communication um, on Toyota's part, and I'm sure will
2: present itself in many uh, lawsuits.
3: Yeah,
1: it was an interesting discovery.
2: When uh, when you're representing clients, John, and, and going against uh, corporations like uh, Toyota, uh, do you find that it's uh, difficult in terms of dealing with them in the litigation process?
3: You know, I, I think that
2: litigation is always
3: difficult for clients. And so it's something that maybe we tend to forget as lawyers, you know, that this is their life, and um, I think it's difficult generally. In terms of a big case or big cases, very well publicized cases, you know, they bring their own collection of um, stressors, you know, that have to be dealt with as well. When you have a case that receives kind of national or international attention, I think you have to manage that process as well. But I think that the main thing, you know, you have to keep in mind is the client and their objectives and what they really want and make sure they're always taken care of and comforted and feel as if, you know, they have someone on their side. And that's what we try to do.
1: Well, John, you're getting a lot of publicity, obviously, out of this case and uh, especially in your area of the country. How are you sorting out potential clients who are trying to, I'll call it, jump on the bandwagon of this litigation, Uh, how can you sort out those who are merely trying to do that versus significant clients who've really had the problem? Do you you find that some of those people are showing up on your doorstep?
3: Well, I think anytime you have a real well-publicized event, you know, I think that the um, Ford Firestone issues of a few years back comes to mind. You essentially have a large collection of people that think that anything having to do with a Ford or a Firestone or a Toyota, you know, means a lawsuit, and that's obviously not the case. I think that Toyota will continue to defend its product vigorously, uh, just like these o- other automotive manufacturers have in the past. And so, yeah, you have to kind of weed out the real cases. Um, you have to ensure that you can demonstrate. Um, Obviously, uh, a catastrophic or great loss, you know, first of all, and then ensure that you can somehow forensically or objectively demonstrate that the product failed and actually was the the cause of that loss. And so on the front end, you know, you want to be, I think, selective in these cases. You know, they're expensive, they're drawn out, they're stressful, like you said, so I think you want to, and I think the client's you know, always want to know the truth. And so if there's really not a case, I think you're better served by letting them know that.
2: So, so it sounds like quite quite a process that you have to go through in terms of investigating kind of on your own to up front as to, you know, the the validity or the circumstances surrounding uh, each of these individuals or families that are calling you to possibly represent them. Do you have like an internal process or just something that you kind of go through to get the, the fact pattern down to, to see if there is a, a, a case there?
3: Yeah, I think it's a a collection of sort of layers. You know, you can, in some cases, kind of just look at the police report and hear about the facts and make a determination that the case may not be worth pursuing based on that. Sometimes, you know, you may need to get an expert out to look at the vehicle or perform some independent analysis. Sometimes we as attorneys having the background we do can do that as well. And so the process, I think, is a kind of a multi-stage, you know, you kind of hear the story, see if it has some traction possibly, then you want to confirm the story, then you want to um, look at the vehicle and ensure that there is, in fact, a problem with it if it can be determined, and that's kind of the process that we go through. And, of course, we make sure, you know, that we think they are good and decent people that we would feel comfortable representing.
2: No, you know, I know that there's been you know we we just discussed it in terms of complaints that were made you know prior to all of the the headlines and uh, these tragic accidents that have occurred over the past uh, few months. Um, how 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 are they handling all the complaints that they hear now from customers that have Toyotas or lexuses What what's the process in terms of dealing with those complaints and you know taking them seriously and, and reviewing them?
3: Well, I think. What we heard during the congressional testimony from Mr. Toyota was that Toyota would never again blame the customer. In terms of, and we, I think we have yet to see whether that's true, in terms of the federal government, the federal government appears to be a bit more responsive to uh, consumer complaints of unwanted acceleration. So we tend to see them um, obviously be less dismissive. You'll see investigators go out on serious injury or death cases and actually perform a field investigation. I don't know, you know, to what degree they were doing that before. I think a lot of it, they would just take the complaint and kind of close it. Um, In terms of Toyota and complaints to Toyota, you know, I can't really speak for, you know, folks that have come in and complained. I think anecdotally, a lot of the people that I've talked to will report events to dealers which is where they kind of go as a matter of course and the dealers are largely dismissive and say look you know your vehicle isn't affected your vehicle's not in the recall nothing we can do and the problem is with a lot of these vehicles there's no sort of investigation that they can do that's actually going to show the problem in so far as Assuming it's an electronic or computer-based error, there's not a fault code they can download to detect the failure. So there's not a ton, you know, of things that they can do to say, okay, yeah, you're right, this was a problem. So I think they tend to, at least anecdotally from what I've been hearing, I think Toyota's kind of doing the same thing that it's always done, other than the recalls and the uh, retrofits that it's and, they're
2: really, and they're really dealing with that, you know the the acceleration issue, the the floor mat, the um, the electronic system itself, uh, the brakes. Um, it sounds like there's you know really four different aspects or, or main facts that are uh, causing these vehicles to continue to uh, speed up or stopping them from being able to brake in time to avoid the uh, the accident itself.
3: Yeah, it appears there's a lot of different factors that can combine in any one event. You know, I think there have been reported uh, pedal entrapment problems. That is uh, interaction between the accelerator pedal and the mat. I think that's a problem of pedal design uh, that allows a mat to get in between, you know, the pedal and the ground. Um, and I think what they're finding is the length and angle of the pedal. That's why you see a lot of the pedals being sort of retrofitted and replaced. You have these mat issues with these all weather mats and then grooving on them that can catch the corner of the, the pedal. You have, um, problems that appear not to be explainable by floor mats or pedals in cases where consumers have actually removed the mats and still have the problems. You know, those can be caused by electrical problems. Um, Some people have other theories. And then there's larger issues as well. Once you get into the situation, the car's going when you don't want it to go. It's very difficult to get out of that situation. In our vehicle and in most Toyota vehicles at the time, there wasn't what's called a brake to idle um, capacity in the vehicle. And so say you have a full application of the throttle. You're pushing down the accelerator as fast as you can. If you get on the brakes, um, they're going to be in conflict. Um, and so what will happen is the, the power, it'll suck the power out of the brakes. The brakes will fail. And then you have brakes worth nothing in a full open accelerator, such as what happened in my case. The better system and the system that Toyota's going to have going forward, if it senses a conflict, And you can do this in your own modern vehicles. If you have your foot all the way on the accelerator and you get hard on the brakes, then the throttle will disengage and go into neutral, as it should. If the car is sensing, you know, one foot saying go, one foot saying stop, the safer course is to stop. And so at the time, whatever was causing these vehicles to take off, there was no brake to idle capacity in these vehicles. And that was the biggest problem. And I think... If it had had that in the vehicle that Mark Saylor was driving, obviously we wouldn't be having this conversation.
1: Well, obviously, John, Toyota's been taking an awful lot of flack for a lot of these issues, and uh, rightfully so when it when it's important to uh, point them out and, and, and make the proper corrections. But in fairness, let, let's, let's look at the other side of, of, of the ledger. Has Toyota done anything positive from your perspective? Are things getting any better uh, along the way? What can we say? What can you say about Toyota that you've discovered in your research that's a plus?
3: Well, I think we know that Toyota's always been known for quality. Um, I think Americans and other consumers have always been happy with Toyota products and the service and treatment they receive, and so I think that's obviously a plus. Um, I think going forward, what we see is Toyota phasing in these break to idle. Um, systems. In 2012, going forward, all Toyota vehicles will have that system. And so I think that's a big plus, obviously. If you you have that system in place, it doesn't really matter if the car is trying to jump, if the brake's going to override any failure like that, then that's a big plus. You see a lot of retrofitting right now um, in terms of the pedal length, in terms of at some level. the on-off ignition on push ignition systems, that's a plus. And so I think, you know, going forward, uh, my client's biggest goal was to make sure that this didn't happen to more people, that things got better. And I think we're already seeing, you know, positive changes.
1: And uh, and I'm sure other auto manufacturers are pausing to take a look at some of their own, you know, internal workings of their automobiles to make sure that these kinds of things don't happen to them. Wouldn't you you say that there's kind of been a timeout and people have been looking a little closer at how they've engineered their automobiles?
3: I would certainly hope so. You know, I think that what we've seen happen to Toyota in the past year or so, I think would cause any competing manufacturer to say, hey, I better make sure that we're not dealing with these problems as well.
1: You know, and it's very interesting to to kind of dovetail with what you talked about last summer on on our program, You talked about litigation being the catalyst for positive change in various corporate uh, conduct. And uh, this could be a perfect example of that, couldn't it?
3: Well, I think so. I think what you saw was the federal government and the Department of Transportation through the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration basically doing nothing for years about these problems. And it takes a tragedy like ours to really capture the attention of both the government and manufacturers. And I think it'll take litigation to ensure that manufacturers like Toyota take issues like this seriously. So yeah, I think this is a perfect example.
1: Terrific. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be back in about a minute with Attorney John Gomez from San Diego. We'll be right back.
0: Did you know... Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes. Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. Experience counts. Over $23 billion in structures, benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to RinglerAssociates.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years.
1: It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center.
0: Oh, yeah. I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's
1: easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you joined us. I'm joined by my colleague Manny Valdez Jr. and by attorney John Gomez from San Diego, who's been very involved in the Toyota sudden acceleration litigation.
2: Uh, John, you know customers, drivers of, of Toyotas and Lexus, that you know, they certainly they lost you know some confidence in the uh, the vehicles. And um, do you have any advice that you could share with them or things that they should look out for when when driving their vehicles um, so that they can be aware of, of different uh, factors? Well, I think
3: the one thing that they should do is prepare themselves mentally for kind of a checklist if one of these events happens. Um, I think what we found is that if you're able to get the vehicle into neutral... Um, then that will help you get out of the situation. You want to make sure you're not pumping the brakes that will um, cause the brakes to lose power. And so what's been suggested, if you're able to, is to get the vehicle into idle, even if it's full throttle, if you're able to do that. The problem in a lot of these gearboxes is that the neutral position is not very obvious, especially if you have a sports shift. Uh, package. And a lot of us today don't really use neutral with these automatic vehicles. You know, back when we all had sticks, we knew right where it was. I think in a lot of these vehicles, we don't. So I would say, you know, make sure you know where your neutral is. Make sure you know how to turn the vehicle off if you need to. In some vehicles, like Mr. Sailor's, uh, with a full open throttle, you had to hold in the push ignition for a full three seconds. And I, nobody knew knew that. Nobody knows that. And so I would say, you know, kind of go through a checklist, kind of like you were an airplane pilot, just to give yourself some level of safety. The chances are it's obviously never going to happen to you, but I would go through that. If there is an event, then I would say be very persistent. You know, don't let anyone tell you you're crazy. Um, when you go to the dealer, I would say get out of that car. Never drive that car again. Report it to the government. In terms of, you know, customers that have these vehicles and haven't had a problem, if they're called in for a retrofit and they're going to change the pedal, what they're doing is they're kind of sawing down the pedal, um, kind of modifying it. I would say, you know, I want a whole new pedal assembly. So I would insist upon a new pedal if they're getting a uh, retrofit. Um, But otherwise, I think just remain informed, you know, uh, keep an eye on the Department of Transportation website for any safety advisories and make sure that if you do receive a recall or uh, notice that you go in and get things taken care of.
1: John, get your crystal ball out a little bit. What do you foresee uh, in the ultimate outcome of your cases? Do you do you sense that Toyota is going to eventually sit down and try to resolve and settle these cases, and not just yours but perhaps others on the, in, a, in a general sense? Or uh, are they going to keep fighting that fight?
3: Well, I think it depends on a case-by-case basis. I think Toyota's, um makes economic decisions, so I think in certain cases, they may want to resolve the case. In certain cases, they may want to litigate the case. I think what they're looking at is kind of a multi-front attack right now. They have national class actions pending. They have regional and state class actions pending. They have individual cases pending. And I think the latest revelations are not going to be helpful for them. And so I think you're going to see them coordinate things nationally and do things in a way that makes the most economic sense to them. I don't think they're going to roll over easy, though. I think that people thought that with the Ford Firestone fiasco and what we saw was Ford vigorously defending its product. You know, I would not expect, if you're a plaintiff's lawyer, to jump on this thing and make any easy money, because I don't think that's going to happen.
1: I, I wonder if there was a Freudian slip there, John, when you said uh, they're not going to roll over easy.
3: <laughs> and then, 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 so.
1: then, then mention yeah, Ford. <laughs> yeah, Unlike yeah. the Ford Explorer. Unlike right. the Ford Explorer. Let, let's, let me close on this note, uh, and it's really a, an interesting you know, window into the, the psyche of the American public. The recent purchase incentives that Toyota provided to customers seem to have worked. They seem to have been successful. Sales went pretty significantly up in the last couple of months with those incentives. How do you reconcile the rush to buy these Toyotas in the face of all these uh, public problems that are out there? Is it simply a matter of money talks?
3: Well, I think money always talks. Uh, I think... We as Americans, especially in these times, always like a bargain. I think a lot of the Toyota vehicles are not formally on the recall list, Mm -hmm. and so maybe that provides some level of comfort to consumers. I think also, you know, with the issue out in the open, I think most consumers presume that Toyota is now taking care of the issue and that the government's now taking care of the issue so that if the vehicle is for sale, um, then it must be safe and not have all these problems that these other vehicles had in the past.
0: Well,
1: I would assume those sales folks for Toyota at the dealerships are being asked a lot more probing questions. Uh,
3: I imagine Other so. than just
1: the color of the car, you know?
3: Yeah, or whether it's got air conditioning <laughs> exactly. or not.
1: You know? Exactly. Well, how about some final thoughts, John? Anything to tell our audience that uh, you want to get across to them about this whole uh, Toyota litigation? Well, area? I just think
3: the most important thing is, obviously uh the safety of americans and you know it's our hope through bringing this case and similar cases that going forward uh these unnecessary tragedies won't won't occur and happen uh, to others i think that's the main goal of our clients, and, and certainly our main goal as well.
1: Well, we wish you all the success, John, and uh, thank you again for joining us. If someone wanted to get a hold of you and get in touch with you, how would they do that?
3: Uh, we're on the Internet, of course, at com, or you can call us at area code
1: 619-237-3490. Great. And Manny, how about yourself?
2: Uh, they can certainly uh, reach me at uh, ringlerassociates.com. And uh, the 800 number is 877-231-3334.
1: That's great. And all of you out there can reach any Ringler Associate at ringlerassociates.com. And you can certainly access any Ringler radio show at ringlerassociates.com or from the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. Please uh, tune in and try to look at some of the other shows we've done. I think you'll find them uh, quite fascinating and informative. And there's a whole list of them there. So we've done a lot of them, haven't we, Manning? We have, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, we're going to be doing a lot more as well. So to our audience out there, once again, thank you, John. Thank Th- you. Thanks to our audience for listening. Now go out and have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio in its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners. Wrangler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Wrangler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Wrangler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.